Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of We Need to Talk. Today I am joined by activist, model, and storyteller, Miss Corey Ray. Corey, thank you so much for being on the show. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I, when I heard you speak at the, uh, Corey and I met at the Yahoo Allyship Pledge conference, and the minute I heard you speak, I was like, I have to have her on the show, because there's just something about your presence that really, really spoke to me. And then even in doing more research on you and, and reading about you, there, you are just such a light. And I'm really excited to hear your story and have you share it with my listeners, because I think that the work that you're doing is valuable, but I also think just what you represent is so beautiful. So I'm really, really honored that that you're joining me. <laughs> Thank you for having me. That's okay. Of course, of course. Um, so, you know, obviously my show is called We Need to Talk. And I think that in general, talking to people about their experiences and their journey, the quicker that we can gain a different perspective and come to understanding. And I think even in 2021, unfortunately, the trans community is still one of the most misunderstood and judged communities, you know, and I I think it's because people just don't take time to hear their stories and and, and understand their experience. So I want to go back to the beginning with you. And and I just want to know about your upbringing and how you came to know what your true identity was. Yeah, I mean, yes, we are the most misunderstood, misrepresented, um, and unfortunately targeted, of course, uh, Black women of transgender experience are the most targeted. I should say women of color of transgender experience, really, are the most um, targeted group of people, at least in the U.S., but I think around the world, to be honest with you. Um, And there is a lot, I think, of just that people don't know. I believe the last study that was done, 79% of the population had never knowingly interacted with a person of trans experience. So there's questions. There's things that people just aren't aware of. And I think part of the reason why there is so much misinformation out there is because people weren't growing up with the tools that they needed for so many things, how to be anti-racist, for instance, or were taught that racism was over. And look how long ago it was with this black and white photo of Martin Luther King Jr. Like, what? So, um, and of course, myself, I was a victim of that as well, of my education system. And I had even studied... Um, so I, had a, I have a minor in the sociology of gender and sexuality. Mm. And in taking sociology courses, one of them I took was sociology of social class. And I learned firsthand about systemic racism, yet spent the next couple of years until this June thinking that it was kind of over. Mm. And I was, I was uh, sleeping on NBLN, which so many people, of course, think that this is new, which of course yeah. it's not, you right. know, it started in around 2013, if I'm not mistaken. And mm-hmm. so, you know, there's so much that people are just quiet on or don't have a full understanding on or don't think it's their responsibility to speak on. And I think that's where a lot of things come in with, with our community. And I'm going to say for you and, and for your listeners that I will most likely say of transgender experience and not trans man, uh, trans woman, trans person, um, because that's very all encompassing. Yeah, that's very really important. Like, yeah. And so you would never hear cisgender actor Brad Pitt and cisgender actress Angelina Jolie are getting back together, whatever it is. But right. you, bet, you bet you'll hear 
trans actress Laverne Cox. So I will probably say of experience, and that's just the uh, the the. Uh, the language you're choosing and I love that it's important language is super important and that's very I'm glad you brought that up because I I almost wish that I hope that we can get to a point where you don't have to put that label on a person me too me too and you know of course and I assume that you identify as cisgender which means you identify with the sex assigned to you at birth Mm -hmm. um and we do have that now we have gender and transgender but it's still labeling and othering. And I love to be in a world where we don't have these labels and we can just be, but I think we are pretty embedded on these categories. So for now, you know, that's where we're going to, yeah, that's where we are. Yeah. I can change that verbiage a little bit, like the experience part. Um, But to get back to your question, I mean, I suppose my story really starts with when I was born, my mom felt very differently with me than she did with my brother. Um, really thought I was going to be a girl. Had the name Julie picked out. Um, was very surprised that I was deemed as a boy by the doctors and really couldn't figure out a name for hours. And her best friend was like, well, what about Corey? Can't you see all the girls in high school being like, look at that hot babe, Corey? My mom was like, yeah. So it was one, assume that I'd be hot and two, that I'd be getting like some action. So um, she liked that and they spelled it C-O-R-Y. And a couple days later, she changed it to C-O-R-E-Y. She said mm. something about it didn't feel right. So there was always something. My mom also said like the hormones released at birth, which is very different. And she just knew, she always recalls going back to this moment of thinking something was very different about me and special. She actually uses the word special. Mm. And when I asked for a dress at the age of two, she really didn't think anything of it. But so many instances like asking for Barbies and asking for a dress, she would go back to that moment giving birth to me and how different that felt. And she gave me the dresses and she gave me the Barbies. And my brother also painted his nails and had cabbage patch dolls, but my brother also loved South Park and toy and you know trucks. And I liked a little bit of action figures and stuff too, but I was like, I loved Barbie, I loved pink, I loved putting on her makeup, I loved wearing dresses, and I loved wearing heels. And like that was just Corey. And I did yeah. that from age of two on. And when I moved to New- we were a California family, but my mom, my then stepdad, and my brother and I moved to New uh, to New Jersey, and it was there in a very different town, obviously, than yeah. Los Angeles, where I realized I was way more different than I expected. I had heard comments a little bit while I was in California about like, "Why is your son playing dress up with my daughter?" or my kindergarten teacher, who was obsessed with my brother, who's three years older, told me I couldn't play dress up at recess, and my mom went in and she was like, "Do not ever tell my child what I can or cannot do in free time." And so I always knew that she was going to be my fiercest protector, but there was, I also always knew something was different about me and that weren't seeing people were judging what I liked. And then in New Jersey, I realized it's because they were perceiving me as a boy and I did not identify with being gay. I was like, I'm not a guy that likes a guy, but like, I feel like I'm one of the girls, but, and I couldn't understand it. And so when I was in middle school, I was, I think it was right around my bar mitzvah. I had a, there was a mom that came in for career day and she, every kid in the class got a different magazine and for her to show her advertisements in. And I had a people magazine and inside was the story of a trans boy 
and yeah. a teenager. And I saw the word transgender and the sentence that he had used was trapped in the wrong body. And I'm sitting in this class and I'm like, oh my God, there's a word to describe how I feel. And until that moment, I truly, I, I, I thought I was the only person on planet earth who felt the way I did. Mm. I was like, what is wrong with me? Why me? Like, what is going on here? And will I have everyone, will anyone ever understand? Will I have to be a boy? Will I have to have sex? Will I have to get married? Like, all these things that I started to get anxiety about, which oh, is yeah, my therapist tomorrow. Um, and yeah, and so I found this term and I took it home and I read the article over and over for like two weeks and I eventually showed it to my mom and I said, is this girl covering up for being a lesbian or is this trans thing real? My mom had been waiting for me to say something because mm-hmm. I was still kind of playing dress up, which in middle school you don't really do anymore. And she'd been waiting and she was like, no, this is real. And I was like, okay. I took it back to my room. And a couple nights later, I went down to my mom and I was like, I want to be a girl. She goes, okay. And I kind of told her about this fantasy land that I created in my mind. And probably from, I'd say like seven, eight, nine years old, I would come home from school and really pretend. I would replay the day in my head as if I was a girl. Or while I was in school, I'd be pretending I was a girl and like seeing how things would work out differently if I were how I perceived myself. And I told her all about this fantasy land. And I said, can I go to high school as a girl? And she goes, Corey, I have no idea. And it took her three something years to find information, to find a therapist who would see me. Um, Most people that she spoke to would not see a child and now a teenager. And so, and I found the term in 2006. And I was now 2008 or 2009 at this point and uh, 15, 16 years old. I think it was like, I think it was 2009 when I really started to transition. And I kind of just slowly started, my mom said to you, I went to this Halloween dance and long story short, all my friends were making out with boys that I had crushes on and they didn't know I wanted to be a girl. And I was, it was one of the worst nights of my life. And I was, I was young for my grade and incredibly late bloomer. So I was already a junior in high school. And uh, my mom was like, do you want to start wearing my clothes? And I said, okay. And she gave me her tops to wear and her jeans, which we have there. I'm tall and lankier and she's um, shorter with like an hourglass figure. So her clothes really looked androgynous on me and people didn't really understand what was going on. But as my hair grew out, they were like, oh, Corey must be out as gay because Corey's hair is long. Which is like, what? Yeah. And, um, and so she eventually in the, in the wintertime found a therapist who would see me and she said, yes, you are transgender. And I I don't know if the terminology was used back then and a lot of new terminology these days. Um, and you know, it's 12 years ago, something like that. So we started therapy and she said, I'm going to put you on hormone blockers. You're lucky enough. We're just starting to go through therapy, uh, through puberty. Um, and so I went on those hormone blockers and then a year later I went on estrogen. And, uh, by the time I graduated, I had transitioned in the sense of, hormones and in the physical sense I had grown up my hair and I was on estrogen and I was passing or now we say cis assumed um where people wouldn't have known walking down the street if I were what I was and they assumed I was a girl Mm -hmm. which I am and so I decided to live stealth going off to college Oh, and of course, I won prom queen, which is like... You awesome. Know, yeah, I saw you were the world's first transgender prom queen. That's amazing. Congrats yeah. on that. How cool. <laughs> so that happened too, which was awesome. And I think we actually 
we told the school, like, please don't let any papers write anything about this. Like, Corey wants to go off to college and live this normal life. And I did just that. And I had surgery, uh, gender-affirming surgery. We used to call it sexual reassignment surgery. Um, the day oh, I, I love that change. I love yeah, that change. Me too. Me too. Beautiful. Yeah. And yeah. so much like even passing is now cis assumed and there's so much great terminology coming out like me saying other transgender experience and yeah. it's and preferred pronouns I learned this week it's not something to say anymore now it's just what are your pronouns yeah preferred means that there's something else there and like no my pronouns are she her which yeah I still am like uncomfortable when people ask that because I'm not used to people asking that question yeah um but yeah, so I lived this life for five years, four years of college, and one year after where I was cis-assumed, and I lived stealth, and I didn't disclose, and then Caitlin came out, and there was this shooting at the Pulse nightclub in Orlando, Florida in June 2016, and two weeks later, I, I decided to take what I was going to write as a book and take the website that I was creating for model portfolio and mesh them together and create a blog post. Mm -hmm. And I called that allow me to reintroduce myself. And that was my coming out to the world. And I basically told all my exes and all my friends and everyone I'd ever worked with and gone to school with since high school that I was trans and I had transitioned. And I was not expecting it to, but it went viral. And overnight, I was put in this role of an activist and a writer for the community. And I hadn't really been modeling yet. so. That's kind of where I got to here, where I then moved to Los Angeles with something in mind of, of helping the world see people of transgender experience in a different light, mm -hmm. that we can be supported, that we can be, that we can be young, that we can be beautiful, that we can get the crown and, and the guy. Um, so that's what's really brought me here to you. That is so beautiful. I mean, I like have chills and emotional listening to your story, but I think a couple of things that stood out to me was that your mom from the beginning was so supportive. I mean, that brings tears to my eyes because I know so many people of the trans experience that don't have that support. So you are so blessed to have had that. Absolutely. And I walk around this world, I will admit with seemingly the most privilege. I'm white, I'm blonde, I'm you know, well-spoken. And I also had support. I am what society has deemed as beautiful. I'm smaller framed. All these things that go into what it means to be passable or cis-assumed. Yeah. Of course, I don't have 100% uh, uh, privilege because of this experience of being trans, but I mean, I'm pretty close and I walk yeah. around that and I acknowledge that. Yeah. But I also feel that because of that, it is my job to make sure that there is no passable, there is no standard. People all the time are like, I want to look like you or I wish. I'm like, don't, because I don't want you to feel that you have to get facial feminization. If you want that, it's great. But be, And if you are doing it out of safety, yes. But I want you to feel comfortable how you feel. We shouldn't right. act, walk, talk, be, anything. And that goes for women, yeah. period. Yeah of trans or cis experience. We do not need to conform to what society says women need to be. Mm -hmm. And I wanna use this privilege, so to speak, for a, good, for a good reason. And my mom is the reason why I am here, yeah. literally, but also, you know, she has been there for me and I am very lucky for that. And that also adds to the privilege of having a support system and unfortunately, not every trans person of trans experience will have that. Yeah. 
And there needs to be places digitally and in person that we can go with each other. And Clubhouse is an amazing thing. Yes. yes. Are you on Clubhouse? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've seen you on Clubhouse. I feel like we've been in the, yeah, we've definitely I think we've been, been in a room space. together. Yeah. Where I think I was listening to one that you were talking in. Yeah. Yes. And so that's a great space. Absolutely. I'm called Trans Talk, which is about like creating the safe space for cisgender people to show their support and ask these questions, as well as trans people to show their stories and feel support. We need to start creating these spaces mm-hmm. that we can all connect and bridge that 79% gap. Yes. In the same room. Absolutely. When you did your allow me to reintroduce myself blog, did you get any negative feedback from people that felt like you had lied to them? Great question. We just talked about this in the room today on Clubhouse. On my blog, no. On my social, no. On Yahoo. So Yahoo had reposted the article and then did a follow-up interview with me. That's how it kind of got the virality. Gotcha. And on, I did read their comments on that post. And I didn't read them right away. I read them months later or something like that even though we know don't read the comments <laughs> yes and a lot of like get aids and die or your mom this that and the other you know shame on them horrible things yeah. truly does not affect me i don't know why those hate comments actually I, I don't know why everyone always asks me that it doesn't bother me i think it says more about them than myself Absolutely. but yes a little bit in the regard of personal people who knew me and not just people on the internet hiding behind a, a screen. Um, no, the only thing I got was a message from someone else, a girl who she was kind of shady herself in college. And she was like, by the way, boys in this frat, ex frat that you made out with multiple of them, they're going to message you something. And I was like, okay. And they never messaged me. Right. And on top of that, um, I got a lot of support from exes. Uh, my boyfriend that I had in college, who we actually like, this is my six year anniversary of us breaking up, which is a little wild to think about that. <laughs> um, or the fact that I even think about that. Um, well, time hop reminded me, I'm going to right. be honest. <laughs> time hop is like a good thing and a really bad thing sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I got from him, which I did tell him a couple months before I came out with the blog, and he was like, Corey, that doesn't change anything. Like, I think you're beautiful, and like, I, you know, loved you for who you are. On the other side of it, I had a Dutch boyfriend when I studied abroad in Amsterdam, where I got this minor in sociology, and he had thought that I was transitioning to a man. He didn't get it. <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 like, I, I, I have transitioned already. It's like, oh, I wish you would have told me that. I would have been so proud of you. Okay. A lot of that was, I think some guys were scared. Some guys felt a little deceived. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I think there was an ease about it. And like something about it was okay. Because I, I did write a follow-up post. And my second post was, sorry, not sorry, or I'm not sorry. Or whatever the Beyonce song was. And... Um, and yeah, so I, I had written a post about my, I explained to people why I didn't close and it was because of safety and stuff like that. There was understanding. You know, I know that for a lot of people of color, you know, when you're doing 
anti-racism work, it becomes a lot of emotional labor, feeling like you're always having to educate white people on racism and, and microaggressions and all this stuff. And I personally have not gotten worn down by it because I, I, I really do pride myself on educating people and having those conversations. But have you ever gotten to the point where you feel a little exhausted or, or feel like, you know, the intolerance of other human beings can just be really debilitating for you personally? Great question again. Um... Yes and no. I have indirectly made it my career to make people feel comfortable around the transgender community and to answer those questions. It's part of my room on Clubhouse on Tuesdays. I call it Trans Talk, a safe space, so that these cis people can come and ask these questions they're afraid to ask. Because I don't mind. I mind when I'm dating. Mm. Um, and I didn't realize that for a long time mm. and I almost enjoyed explaining it to dates and then I realized even if they were accepting they kind of backed away because I threw information down their esophagus and and uh and so I have been trying to find a fine line and a balance yeah also because of living stealth and of saying trans experience my transness isn't everything about me. And so it's hard because I've made my career about my life and making it okay for people to not come correct and then leaving correct. Mm -hmm. But also it's hard because it's just a part of my life and it feels ever consuming in a a lot of days. And, for instance, social media, I know that I am going to do well when I post about my story. I don't want to post about my story. Well, if I don't post about my story every day, and if I don't post in general every day, then Instagram gets mad at me and they don't put out my post. And that means I can't make money. Um, So that's where it's frustrating because it is the brand, but then again, it's not um, personally. And like my therapist once who transitioned me once stopped and she was like, in the session, she's like, I totally just forgot that you were trans for a second. Sorry. Like, it's just not everything about me. And some people it is. I love that. I love that for them. It's just not my identifier. Um, And in the other side of it, again, circling back to the dating aspect, I want a guy to come as I say, correct and come educated and open to, to learning more. Of course, they can't know everything. I don't even know everything about being trans. I'm learning every day, quite literally. But to coming from a place where they're going to love me even more for the journey that I've been on. And I don't need to educate. For instance, I started dating a friend who he's been a friend for two years and He's lovely, and we've always had something between us. And I've seen him through a couple girls. He's pretended to be my boyfriend at a bar to make a guy who's up with jealous. Like, we're friends. And recently, he hired me to be on his music video. And over the course of the fittings, which were a couple months long of prepping for the music video, he, because of COVID and stuff, he and I realized that we both really liked each other. And he went to someone who was on, who was involved in the project, who's gender non-conforming and said, if I were to ever like make a step further with Corey, how would, how does her body work? How would I be able to pleasure her? 
how does this process work? And that was the biggest level up I've had thus far. Mm -hmm. And I feel like since my ex in college, when I told him, it went down for a while and then it, I've leveled up with each guy. And sometimes it goes three down and like four up, five up. Right, right, right. I've done this thing of like leveling up with dating where they've come more correct each time and more accepting and less fetishizing, less kinking, less experimenting, less checking it off a bucket list. Oh, this is a beautiful trans girl. Let me fuck her because that's yeah. the hottest trans person I've seen. Right, so right. So fucking, I get the compliment, but it's also offensive when you say oh, you're beautiful. Oh, I mean, I've had that experience in the past with black, as a black female, for sure, for sure. I'm sure you do. And it's so interesting how we can probably find so many similarities. Like we're so seemingly different, yet we have, I'm sure, gone through very similar experiences. Yeah. And, and I love that because it means that more than just trans people can understand our experience. Yeah. Um, but also in the terms of dating, like I am still finding that line for myself. And I think it just comes with these guys coming correct. That's the word of the day and uh, or the phrase of the day and, and, and being ready for me so, in so yeah you find it exhausting sometimes. right <laughs> you're like long story short no for sure for sure but like you know within your education that you do what do you feel like has been one of the most common questions or curiosities from cisgender people when you are educating them one that i used to get all the time is do you get a period which boggles my mind i guess that's a fair question, but that's a big one. Oh, really? Obviously. Uh, or maybe not so obviously. I don't menstruate. I cannot get pregnant, which is my one sad thing, though, is that, like, yeah. of course, I wish I would be able to feel what it would be like to to grow and cook a baby in my belly yeah. um, and have my partner be able to rest their head on my belly and my family and my cousin who's only five months older than me she just gave birth so like I watched our whole family like love up on the belly and that made me sad um but cis women can't do that sometimes um more frequently than we think yeah because true. I have come to terms with that um over the years I still allow myself and give myself that grace and softness to feel sad about it because it does suck yeah. but again I could have been cis, and I think I have a theory that if I were born cis, I would be the worst person on planet Earth. Like just an entitled, ruthless bitch. Um, you know, nothing to humble me. You know, <laughs> right, right, so, right. Um, and maybe that would have been my thing. Who knows? And maybe it was in a past life. I don't know. Um, but I'm sorry. What was the question? I just the, the, the most common question. So you said oh, most yeah. people ask, like, do you get a period? Are there any other common questions yeah. that people ask? Not on a tangent there. <laughs> no, you're fine. You're fine. Yeah, I think that and more of like, people are curious about scary situations. People are very curious with me about dating. Um, and I get questions about that. Like, even my guy friends, it's so interesting I never had guy friends, like a group of guy friends. Mm -hmm. And I live here in LA, which is the guy from the music video. Like he's part of those guy friends. Like I walk into them, they, I walk into a party, they pick me up and swing me around. They're like, Corey, like I never got that in high school. So I loved that. But even my guy friends sometimes will be like, like my one friend, I love him so much. And he himself is very sexually progressive. And he was like, so you, something along the lines of like, are the guys you date straight or something like that. And as sweet and amazing of a guy he is, he didn't even know like 
do I date straight guys or gay guys? Mm, mm. There is still that embedded homophobia. Yeah. I love him. He's one of my greatest guy friends. And I know that he comes from a good place. And he also knows that I will shut him down real fucking quick when he asks questions like that. Right. So that's, that's where I get it. Like, uh, what kind of guys do you date? Or are they okay with it? Things like that. And those questions are uh, like, what are your experiences with dating? Have you had any scary experiences? And also, what is it like to have sex? Mm-hmm. That is the key one. And it's different for all women of transgender, all people. Yeah. No vagina, no penis, excuse me, the same. So that's a lot of the questions that I get. Like, what is sex life? And for me, it's wonderful. Um, I can't say that for everyone. Right. I went to a wonderful surgeon. Her name's Dr. Christine McGinn, and she is one of the three people I say saved my life, my mom, my therapist, and Dr. McGinn. And um, I am able to, like, self-lubricate, and I'm able to, like, get, you know, because I can get wet on my own, like, sex is a little bit easier for me. Mm. I don't necessarily have to dilate right before sex. Um, And for dilation, if no one knows what that is, it's after, if you so choose, to get surgery some people are non-op that's a term that we're learning now like it's not just pre-op or post-op but non-operative mm-hmm. if you are non-operative or, or if you're if you are post-operative and you've decided to get that gender affirming care um dilation are like four hard plastic dildo-y shaped things that keep the depth and the width of your vagina um, for the rest of your life because and a natal vagina can actually collapse but and turn inside out like a sock which is wild um but especially right in the beginning of, of after surgery like keeps that depth and keeps the width with four different sizes um and you do that a lot for the first year and then it's like once or twice a week for the rest of your life mm-hmm. or you have sex um for me, I don't need to dilate right before sex. A lot of trans women do need to dilate right before sex to open that up. Or, you know, for me, it's easy. I yeah. can't speak for everyone. But that's a lot of like the questions, dating, sex, experiences, stuff like that. Interesting. And But yeah, I can see how that would get exhausting to always have to explain. Um, I do want to backtrack a little bit because I want to talk about how you as an ally have managed to kind of include intersectionality in your work because we have, you know, touched up how Black trans um, women specifically probably are, are are more attacked, more targeted than any other group. So what do you do in your work to kind of bring and shine a light on that specifically? I, to be honest with you, there is not one conversation that I have that has to do with transness that I do not bring up women of color. It is my, I feel it is my duty Oh, I get emotional thinking about it. Like, I just, I think it's my responsibility as a person to, like, stand up for other people. And because I walk around with so much privilege, I know what could have happened to me. And so I find myself always talking about women of color because what happens to them is horrible. And, um... And scary to think like that could be me. And so what I do is I try to seamlessly add that into my conversations on a daily basis to let people know because a lot of people aren't aware of that. I also do a ton of 
I do personally a lot of like charity volunteering work when before the pandemic hit, I um, was volunteering a lot of time at the LGBT center here in Los Angeles. I, one of my favorite days in LA was um, during pride month, the LGBT center put on a trans pride and I came and I helped predominantly women trans women of color with choosing out i donated oh god i don't even know how much clothes i donated but there was a room full like this room times two full of clothes that people had donated and i helped dress people and pick out outfits for them and that was like so lovely and it's those smaller experiences and bringing it up in like everyday life that i have found with my activism work doing things like the allyship pledge uh the yahoo allyship pledge and and putting people on my platform as well like i would love to do an instagram live with you yeah, absolutely right like i would I, like i have to use my platform for good as well and like i made a statement when black lives matter i mean when blm happened uh in june on my Instagram of like Black Lives Matter. And I noticed a lot of performativity with that and people taking it away. Like it is still in my Instagram bio and that in myself, I feel like I'm doing my duty of like, I am making that statement forever. That's not going away from my profile. Like I'm going to keep that black square up. I took down the hashtag. I'm keeping that black square up to show that I'm showing up support in the least that I could do. Um, Taking the pledge, having people on my platform, bringing it up in everyday language. I do bring back the trans experience in most of what I talk about. Um, And also something I like talking about more recently is how... And, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but from my understanding, it's that mental health isn't talked enough in, in the community, it's in the Black communities, especially yeah. of people, of course, of transgender experience, because there's an added bit of the mental health aspect. Yeah. But, I mean, look at Kanye West. Yeah. Um, a genius. Yeah. Who, is, has, who has mental health um, um Issues is the worst word to use, but you know what I mean. Yeah, when I- absolutely. I know that's that's probably one of the the terminologies. I'm like, how can we change that? Because I don't want to call it an issue. I totally agree with you. Uh, who, who has an experience with mental health mm-hmm. and is now losing his family? Yeah, I think there's also some stuff with maybe him not wanting the help. But right. that's another topic of the conversation. For sure, for sure. And I think it's for me verbalizing because that's like what I do best is talking and uh, using my social platforms. I, of course, cannot go and volunteer anymore. Um, I cannot, you know, go and speak at Lululemon headquarters right now. I cannot go and speak at the Makers Conference right now. Mm-hmm. But what I can do as of recent is like using my social platform, talking on Clubhouse, you going on podcasts, discussing it with people and like hoping that it makes some sort of impact. Yeah. Um, that's where I bring it into my world. Mm-hmm. I'm also doing two um, non-paid partnerships, um, one with a company called Con- Consciously Unbiased. Mm-hmm. Other, let me pull it up, because I would love for people to know. Um, oh, okay, so it's called End It Movement, um, which shines a lot a lot about like slavery and mm-hmm. stuff like that, mm-hmm. uh, and Consciously Unbiased bias two um things that i'm partnering up with on social media to talk about struggles that the yeah. people of yeah. colors community face people of colors community that's not right community, community of, of color communities of color yeah community <laughs> of color um yeah so that's kind of how i've 
brought it together for, for me. That's wonderful. I'm glad that you are using your platform. And I think that people think that may, that may not be enough if that's all they have, but that's a place where you start. You have to start somewhere, you know? So it's it's, it's about those small steps. I think people think that uh, in order to be an ally, in order to be an activist, you have to be doing these grandiose moves and, and making these huge steps, but it really just starts small. And I, I, I wish more people realized that because I think we would have a lot of people, a lot more people trying to get involved if they knew that even the small steps do make a big difference. And I say that a lot with um, people who ask how to be better allies to people of trans experience. And I'm like, I don't think you realize by you like wanting to show up and by you checking in and being their friend or being their support, like that means more than anything that you can do. And then the added bonus is social media and sharing our stories and saving yeah. our stories and sending them to friends and putting them on your story and liking and commenting. And like, that is really helpful, that social media aspect. And I do feel like I was policed a lot, predominantly by Caucasian people um, during the, the beginning of the movement. And I felt that I was not doing enough, even though I didn't share everything. I didn't tell people the money I was donating, money that I didn't have at the time. I didn't talk about the charities that I was working with because I felt talking about it in a larger sense was very performative, grandiose screenshots of like of what you donated to and like that for me didn't feel authentic and it didn't make me feel comfortable um and i and i think that what i learned is that there's no one way of activism and and not just about a topic but there's no one way of activism for the trans community yeah. for uh oh god not color Communities uh, of color. <laughs> uh, thank you. I was watching this thing really not okay. Oh, community of color. Um, you know, there's not one way of doing that activism as long as you're doing something. Yeah, absolutely. That's what matters. Absolutely. Well, Corey, I just think you are such a beautiful human. I love everything that you're doing. Absolutely. Please let my listeners know where they can follow you in and continue okay. to follow the work that you're doing in your story. Okay. Um, and I feel the same about you, truly. Um, thank you. And I do feel like we connected you know, more than I've connected with other people through the pledge and all of that. Thank you. Um, I can be found on Instagram at I'm Corey Ray and Twitter at I'm Corey Ray on TikTok at just Corey Ray, um, on Clubhouse at Corey Ray, the socials, and of course, CoreyRay.com, which um, I am relaunching for the five-year anniversary, um, which I'm really excited about. And it'll be more interactive, more of a place for resources for people and um, a safe space for people to find out more information. So all things Corey Ray, I suppose, on socials and the internet, you can find me. Keep it simple. I love it. <laughs> well, thank you again so much for joining me. And to the listeners, make sure you subscribe to We Need to Talk, and we'll talk to you again next week. Bye. Thank you.